Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, folks, and I truly hope each and every one of you are just having a rockin' morning. It's Troy Dooley, the host of Beachside CEO, and we are into Thursday, and I tell you what, we have been studying David Bird's book, The Tripping Point in Leadership, Overcoming Organizational Apathy. Now, if you haven't hung with this, the last couple of three days, I need to let you know what you've missed. You can go listen to it in the archives. But this is uh, it's a small book, but a very powerful book. The first day, we learned about apathy, the fact that it's a natural human instinct, and how to make sure as a leader you don't fall into that trap. We learned the symptoms of it. We also learned the true working definition, which I thought was good. It's a, it's a, it's what David called the developmental definition, a natural human instinct common to us all that consistently encourages us to seek a comfort zone in which nothing ever changes. That's what we learned on day one. Number two, we learned the power of choices. Number three, we learned about the power of vision. And today, in chapter four, we learn about the power of attraction. Now, I'm not sure this would be the law of attraction, it might be the definition of what the law of attraction really should be. But David says this, use your power of attraction to step over every form of apathy. And I thought that was great. He starts this chapter off very simply. He says, have you ever known someone who always seems to boost your energy or just make you feel better when he or she is around? In contrast, have you ever known someone who seems to drain your energy or someone who you're always trying to avoid. Lord, I think we all have people like that in our lives. This is really just a simple example of the positive or negative forces that is the power of attraction. See, we either want to be around people or we don't want to be around people. And I think that's what we really need to be focused on, really need to be looking at. What is it that we're, we're doing? David says to remember this, the impact you have as a leader is in the lives of other people, and it will be determined by how you develop and use your power of attraction. If you're a dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby, nobody's going to want to be around you. If you're positive, energetic, focused, a realist, but yet a visionary and passionate individual, people are going to want to be around you. If you're somebody that's willing to tell it like it is, even when it hurts, but give solutions, not just talk about the crap, people are going to want to be around you. One such person back in 1993 slowly made their way to the front of the room and gained center of attention at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. It is one of the few instances in, the, in, in history every year where both Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertarian, everybody gets together. She was there, it is a she, by invitation of some America's top leaders in every facet. Her words were flavored with love and seasoned with truth. She was complimentary, challenging, and a little critical. Those on the political scene are not usually accustomed to inviting criticism, but everyone was attuned to her carefully selected words. Over 5 
this little gal had done over 500 missions in 100 countries. She had (laughs) no personal possessions, but commanded the resources of millions and millions of dollars. She had no power other than that that was willingly given to her. Her power was attractive, but it was genuine and not manipulative. She only wanted common good. We know her as Mother Teresa. A powerful figure of the 20th and early 21st century. Someone that will go down in history as one of the most influential people in the world. The power of attraction was unstoppable. And it had nothing to do with how rich she was, her lifestyle, her possessions. It had to do with her heart. I found this interesting. See, quite often the power of attraction can and is used by people only from a self-interest, a self-fulfilling agenda, if you will. But a tr- effective, passionate, positive leaders will use the power of attraction to counterbalance the forces of apathy and always avoid security of a comfort zone for self-centeredness. Mother Teresa could have had it all. She could have been at the Vatican. The only thing she would have never been able to do is probably be the Pope. But yet, she chose a life of changing the world. Think about this for a second. Think about somebody that you like, that you know, that you trust, somebody that... You know, you you really have this, you just always want to be around them. <coughs> now ask yourself this question. What makes you feel that way about that person? Think about that. I mean, write it down. Is is it a list of actions, characteristic traits? Remember that you like, know, and trust them. Ken Dunn talked about this in in his book, Being the Change, that we just taught, we just did a couple weeks ago. See, you are describing the very ingredients of the power of attraction. We are attracted to people that we want to to know, to like, to trust, that we want to be like. Now, without a doubt, some people are naturally born with just this aptitude. If you listen to what Tom Hopps says in his book, you learn that this is from early childhood. It's the way that you're developed, and that's fine. But see, regardless of where you come from, you can develop your power of attraction. And again, I'm not talking about, and David's not teaching on, manipulative, polished facades that you're hiding behind. Manipulation plays nothing in the power of attraction. It's genuine. Next week, I'll be a catalyst, and I will be drawn and attracted to several top leaders to want to hear them, to want to listen to them, to want to learn more about what they have to say. It's it's It's, it's powerful. And they're there not to manipulate. They're just there to give. That's the cool part. Now, David talks about five absolutes that form the foundation of the power of attraction. As I read through these, I thought, wow. Over the years, I have learned these and did not realize they were the foundation of the power of attraction. He just has a way of putting things in in layman's terms. Number one, it reminds me of a of a of a passion. I mean, you can say this in several different ways, but he says focus on others first. 
I wear a wristband that says I am second. You can go to IamSecond.org, I think is the website. You can learn from that. I wear another bracelet that says Act Justly, Love Mercy, Walk Humbly. And all these tie into one thing, focusing on others first, or in other words, living by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. See, too many times we get away from just the daggum basic facts. Treat people the way you want to be treated, the way you desire to be treated, and you'd be amazed what life can do for you. It's a powerful deal. Effective leaders always deliverable measure results by developing the strengths of those around them. I learned that from John Maxwell many years ago. They don't try to manipulate. They don't put on this fancy facade. They just go out of their way to help raise up others. Zig Ziglar said, the more people you help, the more money you make. Too many times we think the more money we make, the more people we can help. Now, listen. David says this. This leadership style is not to be confused with the comforter model of leadership, where the leader simply feels compassion for all people and therefore does all the work for them. Not. They've got to get off their doggone butt and they've got to go do it. Can you help them out? Absolutely. Do you want to push them up? You bet you do. You want to help them through the rough spots all the time. I give away more people in network marketing than anybody else. Matter of fact, it's humorous. I was talking to a gentleman, a founder of a company the other day. <clears throat> and after getting off the phone with him, I started writing down names of people that had joined his company, names of people that have joined some of my other clients' companies, names of people that have joined companies that are not my clients that have said, Troy, after watching your reviews, we went and joined this company. And I added it up, and you know what? If I was in a company building it, I'd be a multimillionaire. I might have more volume under me if all these people were in one company than any other single networker. And I'm not trying to be egotistical here. What I'm saying is this is the fun life that you live because you get to push up other people. When you focus on others first, it all comes back to be a benefit to you. I have a wonderful family life. I would not trade it for anything. I got I got six kids. I got grandkids all over the place, three of them that we're raising. We live on an island. We live a block off the beach. My wife is, is a romance writer, four bestsellers. She works at home. We enjoy our life together. It's pretty amazing when you start to realize when you put others first what it can mean. When you set aside self-preservation, which is just the basic human motivation that really leads to self-centeredness, which in turn represents a security or a psychological comfort zone, which becomes apathy. When you stop worrying about yourself and you really live to take care of others, live to raise up others, live to lead others, not from the top sometimes. I mean, I, I love being second. I love being the, the guy behind the scenes that are helping other people. It's cool to me. Thing is, I usually get my butt in trouble more than the leaders do because I'm out there vocally talking. But it's worth it at the end of the day. See, focusing first on your own self-interest leads to a dysfunctional, egotistical behavior. It leads to something that is hard to overcome. And that's why you want to stay away from it. The second thing, the second foundation, the absolute, is a commitment and a resolve that is never-ending. 
See, people want to follow leaders who have a commitment and a dedication. They're not wishy-washy. Aaron Tipton, Tippin wrote once in a song, you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. David writes this, a very important ingredient in the power of attraction is being goal-oriented. People are not attracted to aimless drifters. None of us would be attracted to a person who had no idea what his or her direction, commitment, or resolve was. I have sometimes people say, Troy, tell me what your goals are, and I'll say, I haven't thought of it. Now, not because I don't have them written down, not because I don't have my objectives, I don't know what my vision is, but at the end of the day, I realize it's really not about me. Tell me what yours are so I can help you. Now, there's certain leaders that know what my passions are, know what my goals are. Those are the ones that I'm accountable to. I'm not out here trying to lead people in a, in a business or a company. I'm trying to lead people in network marketing. So the, the passion for me is to know what their goals are and to know if they really are a committed leader, somebody that has the power of attraction, somebody that others will see that has resolve and that they want to be attracted to. Now, obviously, that must happen because... I'm learning that when I shoot videos, when I do radio shows, we have tens of thousands, in some cases hundreds of thousands of people that view the videos. That blows my mind. It really does. That was never my intent. And yet I've been blessed to have a voice of influence that I do not take lightly. In some cases, this voice of influence has reached all the way to Washington, D.C. It's reached to the to the networks, the radio networks, to TV networks, to critics, to to pundits of network marketing, to CNBC. I mean, you name it, it reaches to different places. I love this profession. I have a passion, a commitment, and a resolve. I am totally sold out and committed to helping every goal-oriented, every person that gets into this business succeed in a way that's never been seen before. We're going to make it. Number three, <coughs> you have to have a positive self-image because that's worth more than gold. See, the one thing that I've found over time is you cannot hide your true self-image. A positive self-image will counterbalance the natural forces of apathy day in and day out because it never allows you to self-doubt. It never allows you to get into a comfort zone. Every time I start to, to drift off and think, oh, man, maybe I'll just stick it out doing what I'm doing, something rolls through, somebody calls, somebody asks for advice, somebody wants something, and I just look at that as a way as, as my Lord showing me, see, dude, you're on the right track, just keep rocking. That's, that's I mean, it's freaking a heavy burden to carry. But when every time I walk into a company home office, when I walk into a conference to speak, and I see people listen, I realize I am second. And I say a little prayer, oh Lord, don't ever let my ego get out of check ever again, because I've been there. I know what I'm speaking of here, because I've been that egotistical, dysfunctional, narcissistic person. You've got to have a positive self-image. How do you get that? Well, let's look at why you are the way you are. Number one, it's because you're always talking to yourself. David writes this. 
We all talk to ourselves, some verbally and some silently, but nevertheless, we are in constant conversation with ourselves moment by moment. And that is so true. So the question is, are you confirming your success or are you confirming your failure? Now confess to yourself, which is it? Ask yourself those two questions. Are you confirming your success or failure? When you talk to yourself, am I confirming a positive self-image or am I feeling self-doubt? Which is it? You may need some help on this. You've got to move forward, and if you do, so be it. And every time you start to have a negative thought, rephrase the question to a positive question. Rephrase the question to something that can help you overcome that right there. It's not a matter of, oh, why did this happen to me? It's what can I learn from this? How can I how can I change? What can I do to be better? See, it's interesting. David writes up my thought was very interesting. He says, Fear knocked at the door of my mind. Faith answered the door and found no one there. See, I don't I don't think it's bad to run a little scared. Man, every day it's like, Lord, I don't want to screw this up. Please give me wisdom. Not not knowledge. I don't care about knowledge. Knowledge is great. you got a head full of it. Wisdom is putting that knowledge into action. Give me wisdom to know what I'm supposed to do. Because here's what people want. People want to associate with somebody that's courageous, honest, compassionate, and encouraging. Somebody that will lift them up. They don't want to be around a pessimistic, dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby. you got to kick it up. Number four. This is an interesting one that David brings up. And subconsciously, I must have known this. I must have read it somewhere and didn't realize it. He said, you must be aware, aware of and attentive to how other people see you. Now, I could care less what other people think about me. Because at the end of the day, I know what's in my heart. Now, that doesn't mean you just run off half-cocked either. Listen, your first impression is probably the most important But your consistent impressions have a cumulative impact that neither attract or repel that either attract or repel. Now think about this for a second. If people have that initial impact, that initial impression, it may take a while to overcome that, but if you're consistent with who you are, you can change things. Now he talks about something. This is where it really gets interesting. He says I read a book back in the mid-70s titled Dress for Success. One of the most important lessons I learned about the book was how important the little things are to other people. For instance, did you know the first thing most people physically notice about you is your shoes? Now, I have a thing with shoes. My kids laugh at me because I'll take three, four, five pairs of shoes with me on a trip. Not just shoes, but boots. I always show up, not always, but the majority of the time I will show up at an event, I will show up at the home office somewhere with a pair of Tom shoes on. Because Tom shoes, every pair of shoes I buy, they give a pair of shoes to somebody that needs shoes in some country somewhere. Kids, adults, doesn't matter. The majority of the time my Tom shoes are American flags. Most of my videos have an American flag. There's a there's an I mean just bam, right right up front, hey, that's Troy Dooley. Forget the bald head and the ugly mustache. 
But did you realize that? Now think about this. If I was to show up in grungy shoes that had no soles in them, that if that's the first thing people see, they would question that, wouldn't they? Now, you don't want to dress for success and be manipulative and outside your comfort zone. You need to be you, but you need to be crisp. You need to be sharp. Something I learned when I was selling life insurance and investments, which is probably why we did so good in those early years just part-time, is that I didn't dress in a suit and a tie to go out to a farmer's house. See, part of knowing how to dress for success is making sure that you dress like those people that are around you, that you talk and act like those people that are around you, that that you don't act pompous and egotistical or act like you know everything. It'll do you no good. You have to make sure that you're doing this right. We live in a physical environment and we attract or repel by the impressions that we give. There's people that don't like my American flag. They don't they don't like watching my videos. It kind of it's interesting to see that. I'm so proud of old glory. I'm so proud of our country. It doesn't mean that I agree with everything the government does, but we vote them in or vote them out. This is a republic. We own this country. But when I walk into a place, I want to be I want to have the impression that people need and you know what's interesting? If I wear, if I wear some of my my motorcycle boots, people want to know if I still ride a bike. And I mean, they're crisp, they're sharp, they look good. It's like, no, I don't ride a bike anymore. Well, I carry my cowboy boots, and I put them on. People come up and ask questions. Well, I'm wearing my Toms. It's interesting, isn't it? People look at your shoes first. Craziest thing I've ever seen. So what's this mean to you? Well, the way you dress, the way you act, and the way you present yourself also shows that self confidence. And you're going to attract people to you who like that. They're going to start to see your personality come through. Now, I want you to know something, because this may sound a little contradictory. So I want you to think about it. Focusing on others first doesn't mean that you disregard your own best interest or self-interest. Because self-interest is always a vital part of the equation, but it's never first. You don't want to be a a, a crappy person. You don't want to look crappy. You don't want to act crappy. You can have the greatest first impression, but if people see that you don't live, they'll run. You've got to be living that. You don't want to fall into that trap, that natural apathy. First impressions and constant impressions... Both are vitally important. You've got to remember that. Number five, confidence is the most attractive impression you can make. Confidence. Not cockiness. Confidence. Confidence always attracts positive outcomes. Now, here's the catch. David's so good at the way he writes his stuff. You build confidence from successful attempts. Whoa. In other words, you try something, it works, and you now have more confidence for the next attempt. Does it mean that everything's going to work out? Absolutely not. You've got to focus forward. You're going to fail at times, but you don't take it personal. You learn from it and you walk through it. Oh, why did I fail? Wrong question. Oh, what can I learn from this attempt? 
Now, that's the right question. You could even go further and say, what can I learn from this failed attempt? What can I learn from this successful attempt? But you always make an attempt. That's why I don't like to use the word goals. I use the word objectives and missions, action plans, because there's always an outcome that way. David writes this. The most important lesson to learn in being an effective leader is that no one has ever accomplished great things by quitting. And when you're a leader in a leadership position, there is no one else to blame. Whoa. I take full responsibility for every one of my actions, even those I'm embarrassed about. Because I know that if I just follow through, I will learn from those. I also know something else. you got to put a proven system to work. It doesn't matter if you're building a business or trying to get your personal life together. You know, if you're building a business, most companies have some really rock-solid systems or there's some third-party systems you can get. If you're building your, your relationship or trying to restart your relationship, there's great things like the uh, love, five love languages and stuff like that, you know, respect and love. I mean, all kinds of books and systems that you can get to help you. But what we've learned over time, and David wrote about this, consistency within a proven system will be creative brilliance 90% of the time. So how are you going to grab the power of attraction? How are you going to suck it into you? You're going to consider others first. You're going to be goal-directed. You're going to have a positive self-image. You're going to make good impressions, and you're going to develop confidence. And when you do that, when you put others first, when you decide, I'm going to rock the world, I'm not going to let others get in the way, the sky is the limit on where you can go. You may not be that flash-in-the-pan person that just, bam, he's there at the top of the game. You know, it's, it may not have anything to do with that. My wife always says, honey, I still believe that the the tortoise always wins. And you know, she has proven that to me over and over. She wrote several books before she became a bestseller, but she built up her fan base to where they loved what she wrote. And to this day, she gets fan mail in. Her next books, I think, are coming out in the next couple of months. I've never, ever gone to the top of a comp plan overnight. It's always been because we attracted a handful of people and and then those handful of people attracted more and they quickly shot to the top. They kicked it up. They did the deal. I just got the benefit. That's cool to me. Everything you do, you do you do consistently. When you do it consistently then you can win and you can win big. But it's not until you follow what we're talking about in the tripping point of leadership that you're able to make it. So tomorrow we will be in Chapter 5, The Power of Courage. You're going to love it, folks. Live life like it's an epic adventure. Stay dangerous, stay strong, and if you're in network marketing, act like it. You've been listening to the Beachside CEO heard on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive powered radio. Bye now.